This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Podcast Horseman. Back in the 20s, we reviewed a very famous Welcome indeed to Podcast Horseman, the Bojack Horseman podcast, a spoiler-free episode-by-episode audio review podcast of the critically acclaimed Netflix series Bojack Horseman. I'm a socially distanced Michael Hamflit. And I'm a socially distanced Adam Nicholas. And Michael, I'm feeling it today. I'm like, not in a bad way, I'm feeling it in a good way. I've got the energy, the power is there. We've come fresh off the back of a Spotify-wrapped day, which I yeah. think all knew and loved for any podcast lovers and music lovers out there. The energy is still strong from that day. Mm. I can't hide it. It's still rushing through my veins. And it's got me feeling like, I don't know, like we should be sat, I don't know, somewhere important, Michael. Maybe at like the business end of a plane, perhaps, because it's just, <laughs> doesn't matter what you're feeling, how you're doing, what day of the week it is, you can call us the front of the plane because we are all business to begin with. You can follow this podcast on Twitter or Instagram at Podcast Horseman. Thank you to everybody who has done so far, to everybody who's listened already. Hello again to all the brand new listeners. What are you doing here? Get yourself back to the start <laughs> and come and meet us at the top. But if you'd like to give us a follow, please do. You can follow either of your hosts as well on Twitter or Instagram. Well, Twitter or Instagram for me at It's Adam Nicholas, or you can follow Michael Hamflit at Michael Hamflit. And um, you can get this podcast on Apple Podcasts where you can subscribe, uh, leave us some feedback, leave us a five-star review. There'll be more on that in a minute. Uh, you can follow along on Spotify. I believe you can subscribe and leave feedback on there. And if you do use Spotify, thank you very much for tagging us in your Spotify wrapped where you featured Podcast Horseman. It was amazing for myself and Nicholas to see all those uh, tweets we were being sent with the uh, the screenshot with the Podcast Horseman graphic in. We were over the moon with that. Listen on there, and we'd love to appear in your Spotify wrapped for 2021 too. We hope when the world gets a little bit depressing, you are still willing to get depressed once a week listening to our podcast. So you can catch us on there. You can catch us on Amazon Music. You can subscribe on Acast. You can pretty much get us anywhere you get your podcasts, including at the Ad Podcast Horseman Twitter feed, where every Friday a new episode will be updated for you all fresh and clean and going back to those uh reviews those five star ratings on apple podcasts if you want to leave us one of them you can say something nice you can say something nasty we don't really mind we've not got egos about this sort of thing we have however got egos about the apple podcast charts if you leave us five stars you subscribe you do all that good stuff you get us up the charts you get us in the conversation you get more people talking themselves horse about a talking horse and every week one lucky reviewer will get their review read out at the end of a podcast they will get a start on the Hollywood Talk of Fame and we'll be having another one of those at the end of this episode. Yes, indeed we will. And guess what, everyone? 
Adam Nicholas is a liar. <laughs> He's a liar and he loves you all in. I've reviewed a different one. <laughs> that is a Netflix synopsis for podcast, <laughs> Horseman, episode, whatever we're on right about now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was meant to do it. I completely forgot. I've been playing on my PlayStation because weekends are precious. Leave me alone. Get off, my Get step off, will you? Just step off. I, I know what you were doing. I'm going to I'm gonna get you out of this one because I know exactly what you're doing. You knew that this episode was coming and you wanted the audio to exist of you saying, I'm going to do the stars. I'm going to do the stars this weekend. And then we can have a flashcard that comes up that says, one week later. <laughs> I lied. I forgot. All right, look, I might have... That was, a, that was a good, long, long-form gag. I like that. I might have planted the seed, whatever. Listen, the only other thing I've got to say regarding this podcast is, as we know from BoJack Horseman, awards are meaningless and they will not give you happiness, <laughs> right? But getting us in those charts on Spotify lists was pretty nice. Uh, nice to see people showing some love for the podcast. Nice to see people showing love for podcasts and music in general. Genuinely, what a lovely, lovely, wholesome bit of content that was on Wednesday. If you haven't already seen, get yourself on Spotify and look at your wrapped and see what you got for the year. But that's not what this podcast is about. We're all about Bojack Horseman. We're in the horse business. Not like that, that sounded weird. But (laughs) (laughs) let's go to Netflix for our synopsis for this week's episode. We are on season four. It is episode five, Michael. And this episode is called Thoughts and Prayers, which I think I'm going to need a few by the end of this episode. A mass shooting at a mall creates a PR nightmare for Princess Carolyn. Bojack takes Hollyhock to visit his estranged mother, who we both know is a lovely, lovely woman. (laughs) Yes, we are going to get some Beatrice in this one, but I don't want to talk about her straight away, so instead I'm going to start the episode like Bojack did, with a panicked studio executive uh, frantically checking his phone and heading in to interrupt uh, Lenny Turtletop's lunch to let him know that there's been a mass shooting. Lenny at first seems really concerned and then even maybe devastated but only because the exec reveals that it's happened in a mall, which is where a lot of mistaking is set. Of course, the movie that we've heard about over the last couple of weeks that we assumed was going to feature at least in a Todd's life as he is dating the lead actress Courtney Portnoy. Um, they collectively dread and mourn the potential loss of the film rather than the loss of lives in this mall. Uh, with Lenny noting, I am sick of real gun violence getting in the way of our films that glorify gun violence. How does this keep happening? Uh, <laughs> Lenny watches a scene uh, where the Courtney character in the film, you guessed it, shoots up a mall uh, and exclaims, quote, Courtney Portvoy, <laughs> in a cute gag which gets us to the credits. Uh, we'll get back to that, I think, mm. because gun violence... Hollywood's grossness, etc. It's all going to feature heavily in the B and C plots. Let's get to what's going on with Bojack. You kind of alluded to it in the meat of the synopsis. We start the episode pretty much exactly where last week stopped. Uh, Bojack is driving Hollycock home after their failed search to find her mother in the last episode. And Hollyhock is talking longingly about Carla Mercedes-Benz Brown, which for those who might have missed <laughs> in that podcast, is the lie that Bojack made up when he saw a brown Mercedes-Benz car parked right behind Hollyhock when he was trying to lie about the existence of her mother. Um, we get then a two days later card that flashes up on screen. We see uh, Bojack and Hollyhock eating breakfast together and Bojack just exclaims, I lied. Uh, he can't keep it in anymore that he was lying. Lying, would you believe it, about Carla Mercedes-Benz Brown. Um, uh, Hollyhock is initially annoyed, 
But Bojack says that he did mean all the other nice things that came in that time. He was just wanting it to stay. All of that was true. He did want a relationship of some kind with Hollyhock. Uh, he then questions anyway why she'd even need to meet a mother, delivering a tirade of abuse about his own, Beatrice. Um, Hollyhock understandably wants to meet her grandmother when conversation about, Holly, uh, about Beatrice comes up. So Bojack says she's dead. 15 minutes later, another car crashed <laughs> up. And Hollyhock says... Where's the footsicles, Bojack? But Bojack interrupts all of that to say, I lied, my mom's not dead. Hollyhock really does want to meet her, and Bojack says that she's in a care home somewhere living what he assumes to be a pretty satisfactory existence. Um, Hollyhock asks if they can go and visit her. Bojack ultimately relents for the good of Hollyhock, um, and for real, he says he's not going to lie this time. Uh, so she asks him, did you eat the last footsicle? And he says no. And eight seconds later, flashcard appears saying, Bojack, just saying, I lied, I ate the footsicle. Uh, what do we make of this early interaction? There's always a lot. So I, I say that every week. There was a lot here, but there's always a lot. We've got Bojack uh, revealing his disdain for his mother to Hollyhock, who, you know, we know where Bojack's at with Beatrice, but Hollyhock doesn't. So there's a little bit of dramatic irony here until Bojack pretty much comes clean about his loathing for Beatrice without delving yet into why some of that might be. Mm. But him wanting to do better by his daughter, him wanting not to be the parent that Holly, that Beatrice was to him. He lies, but then he makes up for it. And the time it takes to make up for those lies gets shorter and shorter and shorter to the point where nearly, nearly, he's not lying at all. Is he nearly telling the truth at this point? It's, it's almost there's an, like... There's an eight-second satellite delay. That's the, <laughs> it's almost like he's eight seconds away from making some Hollywood stars or something. <laughs> um. I love this, though. I thought this was such a great way to show you that Bojack is always going to be a piece of shit, but he's trying really hard, like, not to be. And I, mm. presumably, I guess you could say, he's, he's learning stuff here. Like, yeah. not a great deal. It, well, you know, this is the fourth season, and it's, he's only just starting to show some form of growth, I guess. But uh, actually, actively trying not to lie to Hollyhock is a huge improvement based on what we know about Bojack that he might just try to embellish a bit and just get away with a few things. Not the case yet. Maybe things are going to be different. And, oh, I guess from the very beginning, like him maybe being motivated by just how crap of a mother he has himself. Although we have seen a bit of a different tale when it comes to Beatrice and her previous, as we got the flashback in the old Sugarman Place episode in season season four, episode two, it was, mm. um, which I don't know. Interesting to know whether that's going to play an impact, Michael, in this episode. Well, it was funny, wasn't it? Because you get the, we've talked about this before, you get those butterflies when we get a flashback or we get mention of Beatrice or we get the idea that, oh God, this is going to be a Bojack's mother episode. But this one was different. I think mean, it's, it's worthwhile you point that out that we're so, so close to that episode where we saw basically the years in which Beatrice's life collapsed from underneath her in a way that she could no longer really reconcile any feelings of love or happiness. And Bojack was just one of several unfortunate victims of that. Um, we are still seeing what we've always seen before, but it's through a slightly different lens to what we had the first time. And you're definitely right to sort of point out, Bojack, it's, I think the difference here, and again, it's only over the course of one scene, but this attempt to be better is at very least sustained Mm -hmm. And that carries with it so much more weight than we've ever seen in his previous attempts to be good to, say, Diane, for example. Yeah. And it's like even his attempts as far as maybe even the last episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's I think it's nice that we've come away from a, a little segue discussing that Bojack's trying to be better. 
Because next, he's a complete piece of shit. He calls yeah. uh, Princess Carolyn to say how sorry he was for being an awful boyfriend, an awful client, and just generally an awful person to over all of those years. Um, it genuinely moves Princess Carolyn. Um, but before she can finish saying, literally before she can finish saying the sentence, I appreciate that, he cuts her off and says the real reason he's called is because he wants the name of Beatrice's care home because he's forgot. Um, Princess Carolyn knows it straight away because of course she does. She's too good for him. She's always been too good for him. It's called Walnut Springs and she hangs up. She doesn't want to listen to any more of his BS. Um, he calls again, just seconds later, to apologise. Um, he acknowledges that maybe he didn't strike the right tone in that call. Before cutting her off again to ask the real reason for the call, which Walnut Springs was it? There was a lot of them in the area. Um, again, he's just after the last minute detail. Gets the detail. Conversation just ends abruptly yet again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we find Bojack and Hollyhock next in Walnut Springs, um, which is a bit of a show in truth. It's not the place that Bojack described. Um, to kind of like contextualise it, he kind of imagined that what with uh, A, the wealth that they had for Beatrice's lodgings, but also the how she almost seemed built for being old more than being young, it would be perfect for a place where she could just go and whinge at people that were weaker than her in quite nice surroundings. This is the total opposite. She is under medical control. There are orderlies, there are doctors. She's in a wheelchair. She's sat in a very like dilapidated setting with a lot of other old people that just look as if they've been, for the better phrase, abandoned by their family. Um, Bojack has no regrets. Through a flashback, we see Beatrice mocking Bojack for wanting to play football. Uh, he's got his American football outfit on this time. Um, she then, uh, in the, somehow, in the conversation about mocking Bojack for him being rubbish at football, also manages to go up, but Scotch is writing and then blows some cigarette smoke in his face, which is used as quite a nice, uh, what would it be, the nice transition. Shot. Transition yeah. back to the old folks home is the smoke that she was blowing at Bojack. Um, they finally get to Beatrice. Uh, and she is unwell, to say the least. Um, she keeps calling Bojack Henrietta, um, which Bojack doesn't even believe is her mind going. He just thinks he's doing it to wind, uh, she's doing it just to wind him up. Um, but she does seem to understand who Hollyhock is without particularly acknowledging what she knows. She just says, oh, it's you. So there is some sort of familiar bond that she can feel without going into any more detail than that. Um, Bojack recounts another tale of just awful childhood experience. Basically, he avoided the sexual abuse from a piano teacher that he implies was a known child molester. And then when he gets in, Beatrice says, huh, I guess no one wants you. I mean, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Um, they're brilliant at this. They're always brilliant at this. You know, we've just talked about how an episode ago, two episodes ago, you were asked to feel untold levels of sympathy for Beatrice, of course, um, the loss of... Um, her brother in the war, her mother being lobotomized and being the one that had to be her caregiver when her dad wanted nothing to do with her. Um, uh, the scene, she's in a wheelchair. She's she's severely unwell. The doctor tells Bojack that she's not got very long left. You need to make this time count. And those are the anecdotes that Bojack leans on to just remind you, to tell you, the viewer, why, whatever you thought before, just remember that she's also this. Genuinely... The way they do this, and there's something very specific, isn't that, about the way that, like, we've all had it where you've taken a friend or someone round to see an elderly relative, or you've be, been there when you've been with a parent, and perhaps they see one side of them, but they're not going to see the other side, or they're not going to see the side that everybody would know who spent a long time with them. And 
the way they managed to juggle both of these things in the you kind of feel having watched that Sugarman episode, you have that in the back of your mind. You do also feel a little bit sorry for Beatrice, just given the circumstance that she's in, and she's old. She's they make her look really old, and they make yeah. the whole place feel. You can almost you can smell the place mm. that she's in. That's how much they make this feel lived in, and yet. That you on that's one side of the coin, and then the other side is you know all of these atrocious, horrible things that she's done to Bojack, and this, you know, you can talk about being a product of your environment all you want, yes, but you still have a choice. You can still choose these things, as is pointed out to Bojack by Todd in the mm. end of season three, and she's just the worst. She's this absolute black hole of like happiness. She'll just drain it from anybody. Mm. And yet they're making us juggle these two things. And the way they use Bojack and Hollyhock, yeah, just to kind of show you both sides of that coin, it's really, yeah. really well done. Well, that's it. As you say, it plays with, and we know this from like other forms of media or like studies that you see, it plays with um, abuse being a familial trait and something that is very sadly passed down. It takes somebody incredibly strong and brave to break that cycle. And mm. Bojack is now trying to do that with Hollyhock almost in a, Better late than never reconciliation of all his own yeah. prior faults in life. He had one go at that, kind of, in New Mexico and failed badly. So this is him going again and trying to see that. Um, he learns from the doctor um, that Beatrice's dementia is getting worse. And that's evident through, obviously, her calling him Henrietta. Um, <laughs> the doctors had tried to ring to let him know, but he gave the number of the sandwich shop that, of course, he gave to Marcy and all those other ex-girlfriends. That's his favourite. Uh, it's looking bleak for Beatrice, and uh, that pretty much wants to make Bojack get the hell out of there. Uh, Hollyhock convinces him that they should visit once a week. She notes quite powerfully that he'll get old, and then he'll want her to visit, and she'll get old. Uh, she'll get old, and she'll want somebody to visit her, and so on. Um, at which point, Beatrice <laughs> shouts... Um, to Bojack, who she believes is this Henrietta, <laughs> where's my orange juice slag, uh, which she'd asked for in a prior scene. Um, Bojack takes two glasses of orange juice over to Beatrice and then necks them, guzzles them down in front of her, slams the glasses down and uh, says, see you next week. This is healthy, isn't it? This is totally healthy. Everyone here is absolutely fine. And these relationships are completely normal. A week passes, we are led to assume, because obviously we said that they'd, they'd go and see them every week. And now Hollyhock and Beatrice are going through some old pictures in a photo album. Um, Beatrice thinks um, an old picture of Bojack is Crackerjack, which uh, just makes Bojack resent her even more and retell yet another old story of as that picture was being taken, uh, because he was trying to stay still, he spilled ice cream on himself, which of course... <laughs> which, of course, she bollocked him for. Um, so it's just one more thing where even a nice tail has got this, like, sting in the tail, you know? Like, it's just everything snake bit in their entire relationship. Um, but Bojack brings an episode of Horsing Around they'd done about dementia uh, back in the day to show to Beatrice. It's, I think, earnestly, he wants to learn to be a better caregiver and thinks that this episode will somehow help him. More on this episode's plot in a minute. Um, <laughs> She recognises Bojack in the episode, but not in person still, and laughs at the show. She seems quite comforted at the show, and Bojack is taken aback by this. Um, for the first time since he's reconciled with this version of his mother in the care home, he seems warmer towards her, um, even if it's just in a look or in a sigh or in a passing thought. You get a lot from this Bojack's reaction to Beatrice's reaction. But let's get on to that episode, um, because... <laughs> 
Bojack and Hollyhock visit again with another episode of Horsing Around because they've seen the impact it's had on uh, on Beatrice. Uh, and Bojack flashes back again to uh, Beatrice chastising Bojack for a particularly tasteless episode of the show um, in which Bojack saw Olivia naked. So Olivia would have to see Bojack naked. Now, there's two things here. The naked, the naked shot stunt is a really famous sitcom ratings grabber. Think yeah. of your favourite sitcom, and by that I mean your favourite 90s or your favourite 80s or your favourite cliched sitcom, and they've definitely, definitely done this episode. Um, there's two reasons why it tends to happen in comedy. One, it establishes a tighter bond between two characters after the fact because they've seen each other, obviously, in flagrante, which is not something that people have on a daily basis. Number two, if it's a woman that appears in the trailer and it tends to pop the number. Friends did it twice. Um, Chandler was seen by Rachel in an early episode when Rachel was new to the group. And then years later, Rachel had a nude night in the apartment, which you can see the back of her, which they put across all the advertising, did huge numbers. Mm. How Met Your Mother turned it into a plot by having Barney's uh, attempt to pull women as the naked man. Yes. You know, well, if they see you naked, they'll just have sex with you. And that led to, I think it was maybe Robin also being naked in the apartment, which again is something, or maybe it was Lily. Uh, one of the female characters was naked to test if it would work the other way. Yeah. That was what made it into the commercial and so on and so on and so on. So yeah, this is a sitcom trope. <laughs> putting horse in a round it's a father and daughter oh, <laughs> because Herb Kazaz is the frigging worst he's or, a hack he's an absolute hack or worse this was the post Herb years where the ratings were on the tumble and oh. they'd not thought about the prospect of a father and daughter being a horrific misread of the naked spot um, <laughs> before I get you thoughts on this because I know we've done a lot of plot here I want to point out that this, Beatrice was bollocking Bojack for this episode as they were on the way to Butterscotch's funeral. Yeah. This is a conversation taking place in a funeral car as they are going either to or from burying Butterscotch. I mean, Beatrice buried Butterscotch every day of his life, but um, that's when she's choosing to bollock Bojack for hating his show. It was apparently playing in the hospital as Butterscotch was dying, so Beatrice was forced to sit and watch it like she was forced to be by her husband's bedside. This is the moment she's picked. Um, this comes back to Bojack, even though he's trying to warm to her because she's responding. She's popping a little bit to the horse and round gags. This is what comes back to Bojack. So he has to, has to get out there, he has to get outside, he has to get a bit of fresh air. Hollyhock follows him outside um, and Bojack's had an idea. Uh, he's seen how much Beatrice loves it and he wants to go one step further. He wants to do a live action episode. The shower episode, no less. With Beecher and Hollyhock, no less. But he wants to do a live action episode. Thinks it's going to blow her mind having this TV show that she remembers. Um, Hollyhock, Hollyhock thinks it's inspired. Thinks that maybe if um, you know she can connect the dots and the person that she's been watching on the DVDs is the person that sat right there. She realised that, realized that Bojack isn't Henrietta or isn't a, a worker at the care home. It's Bojack. Bojack loves it. He wants her to have that connection. He wants to get in close to her when she's at her, when she's at her most emotional. He wants to hold her close. He wants to squeeze her hand and say, "Fuck you, mum. <laughs> <laughs> you old piece of shit. Now I have all the power." <laughs> Hollyhock is mortified, but Bojack is inspired. He's never felt so alive. <laughs> dashes off to set his plan in motion. Nicholas, I'm sorry. I've talked for a long time. I've said a lot of things. Can you try and provide the postmortem to the crime scene that I've just described, please? 
I mean, how are you supposed to follow that up? I mean, that is an absolute all-timer because you know it's coming as well. You know it's coming. The way the Bojack is sort of slowly talking to Hollyhock, he's not going to come in with sincerity here. You no. know it's not going to happen. This is an only fools and horses chandelier moment of its living. <laughs> this is absolutely amazing. And yet, and having seen this show so many times at this point, I still barked laughing at this because it's... You just... They, They've given us such a great viewpoint here of like, again, as you say, everything, no matter what it is, top to bottom, small, big, whatever the moment is, there's always an awful, awful side of it that Bojack has endured over this course of his life. <laughs> and sure enough, brings it here because you start to think, oh, maybe, maybe this is nice that Bojack's trying to do this thing. But even then you think he's trying to connect with his mother, not for his mother. It's because he wants to be noticed. He wants yeah. to be seen. And he wants her to know who he is. So it's not really motivated by he wants to help his mom. He wants to help himself to be noticed by his mom. He just wants to be seen. And then he manages to find another layer that's worse than that by, by saying about how the only reason he wants to be seen by her is so that he can have her back so she knows who he is, so he can then tell her, fuck you, you stupid piece of shit. You're rotting away in a home, and I'm not. I have all the power now, or whatever he says. I'm paraphrasing yeah. a little there. It's an <laughs> you old, you old piece of shit. Now I have all the power. Like it's an absolute shotgun of a line. That it's. I mean, it's accurate. It's very accurate, but it's not what you're expecting to say the least. But I like. It really establishes early between Hollyhock and Bojack just the two very different agendas that they have here. Yeah. Um, but again, to keep tying it back, which I think is important because the theme isn't lost. Um, this is like informed by Bojack wanting to be better than his mother for Hollyhock. Yeah. He's wanting yeah. to be a better dad than his mother was. And what a kind of adult, what version of adulthood is he presenting to her when he wants to do this? Like the dad, the, the really like dignified father figure would say, you know what, Hollyhock, you're right. Part of life is being the bigger person and learning to let go. Not like at what point would he want Hollyhock to turn to him and say, Fuck you, dad, you old piece of shit. <laughs> Look, man, we weren't going to get Bojack grown as a person without some hang ups along the way. Yeah. I'd say this is still progress, even though it is coming from <laughs> a place of self gain that I didn't even think he could get to. <laughs> we do sound like some of them Hollywood men, like, this is Bojack's grossest progress yet. So we go back to the um, the care home. Another week has passed. We assume we're going a week at a time in these little, you know, the time jump is particularly important. But in that time, Bojack has set the whole place up, the whole TV viewing room up um, with this sort of cheap horsing around backdrop. He's had painted onto a big sheet in the background. He's got his, um, his the horse jumper, which his belly now pokes through. He's dressed <laughs> poorly, hock up in Olivia, as Olivia by putting a uh, like a yellow mop head on her head. Um, she's really uncomfortable throughout. She knows in her guts that this is an awful idea. Um, but it's happening. Um, a woman called Gladys plays the horsing around theme on the piano that they've got in the room. And almost immediately, I mean, they've not finished the first line of dialogue. Beatrice starts crying, wailing. She's in a deep panic. She's trying to turn it off with the remote that's in her hand. And she just wants it to stop there. Bojack tries desperately to force the dialogue through while Hollyhock keeps trying to get him to stop. Um, 
But when another resident tries to take the remote off her because he wants to see how this is going to play out, he too just thinks this is an episode of horsing around and, in his words, wants to see if this couple can get it back together. <laughs> so even in Bojack's version of the warped episode, it's still being presented as if there's a, a sexual nature to this relationship. Um, she, Beatrice, uh, assaults him. She, like a horse, has that moment of being a horse and charges him, headbutts him to the ground. Um, she's then restrained by orderlies, while shouting, screaming out to anybody that will listen, and obviously, crucially, nobody will. Um, quote, I don't like this. Let go of me. I'm the heiress of the Sugarman Sugar Cube Company. You can't do this to me. Um, it's at this point she lets out a blood-curdling, guttural, lingering scream as she is hauled away, completely, like, all the control is taken away from it as these big burly orderlies the psychologist that we spoke to earlier on the doctor all of them just drag her away that you hear the scream long after she's left the room down whatever dark corridor you dare want to think about um as bojack and hollyhock sit there and try and absorb it and bojack wonders if they should continue the episode <laughs> of course he does um we cut again to presumably quite soon after that and beatrice is there with all of her belongings in a box outside the care home she's been kicked out uh, her insurance doesn't cover violence um, and Hollyhock insists that uh, she come and live at Bojack's house. Um, there's a cute gag here where the doctor says, we think she's got so little time left that she should be with the person, that, uh, people that love her, at which point Bojack asks who, who they are and if he can get the number, assuming it to be a yeah. care home. Um, but Hollyhock insists and thinks it's good for everyone. Um, Bojack isn't happy, but again, we keep going back to this theme that he's trying to do better by his daughter, so off they go to Bojack's. Um, they all kind of get themselves moved in. We see a care bear there again, home help with um, Beatrice. But she sat in a chair, depressed, disinterested, disengaged. I think it's Hollyhock that has another red DVD. She's trying to put another horse in her round on, assuming that that'll be that little spark. But it's all gone. It's all gone. She just says, what's the point? Um, it's as if she knows that she's been sent there to die, which is interesting that she didn't think that in the care home, but thinks that now she's arrived at Bojack's house. Um, Bojack retreats onto the balcony uh, with a bottle of whiskey just to think about things, and Hollyhock joins him. Um, and Bojack kind of opens up a little bit more to her. And again, this is a just tremendous subversion on the father-daughter bonding conversations that you often see in these types of shows. Um, he wanted one day, all he, all he dreamt of one day, when he was old enough and she was old enough for the, the words to land, just to really tell her how much he hated her. And he can't do it. Her mind's gone. And he's depressed. That that's, he, just, he just wanted her to know, Nicholas. She'll never know. She'll it. never know now. She'll never know. Hollyhock realises, she reads the room, she realises she's learned from this episode, even if nobody else has, um, <laughs> that Bojack needs this. She notes that she has bad days, but she has good days. And one of those days, she might recognise him enough that he can totally rip into her. <laughs> It's uh, played brilliantly as being a sweet moment between father and daughter, regardless of what's to come between mother and son. Um, and in just a gorgeous end to the episode, and of course we will get onto the other characters, but it was this that they went to the credits with, which felt poignant. Um, he nearly plucks up the courage to affectionately graze her arm, and still doesn't. He pulls mm. back, and it's that that we hit the credits on. But... I thought this was tremendous. I thought the 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 joke is brilliant. The, the joke is tremendous. They they give you the right soundtrack. They give you the right verbiage to let you know to give to clue the viewer in on what bit from other shows you've seen they're doing. But sincerely, the bond between the two of them over this was nice. 
what's happened here is that Hollyhock has actually found a way to understand Bojack. And Bojack is grateful that she's done it for him. And it's really like, this is maybe as close as we get to an earnestly happy ending for Bojack in an episode. And the way they do that is by having it so that one day he can tell his mother that she hates her. That's what allows him to have his happy ending for a week. It had to be dysfunctional. You knew that was going to come. Don't look and sound surprised <laughs> at this. We, how long have we been watching this show for now? <laughs> See, it's the thing. I don't, I don't learn. Bojack doesn't learn. I don't no, learn. No, but nobody learns anything wrong yet. <laughs> but yeah, this is really sweet, this. Uh, especially the end. The, the shot from behind, it can't go understated the way that Bojack is just about to put his hand on. It's like, just rest it on our shoulder or our back just to kind of... A father-daughter moment, and he's a very cautious horse, isn't he? Just oh, <laughs> just pulls back a little bit. He just He's not quite ready for it. But you know what it is? Steps in the right direction. And I will take this win because I think it's nice that Hollyhock even manages to find that middle ground as well. Even though, yes, we know this isn't probably how you should deal with it. She at least understands that there's more to this tale than she might first uh, have seen on the surface. And I think it also tells us immediately, like... Obviously, she's a younger, a younger woman, but she's still also quite wise for her age because she's. It'd be very easy for someone who's naive and, and young to the world to just only see uh, Beatrice for the pleasant old woman she might be yeah. with dementia and not really care about Bojack's experiences whatsoever. She doesn't do that. She she forces him to try and be a better person and do the right thing, which is. I guess that's the whole point, isn't it? To do the right thing, something which Bojack struggles with on a daily basis. But he he helps, she's helping him to get there, whether whether it's a weird route or not, doesn't matter. Together, he's stronger together, I think, is the message mm. here. And it's, as you said, it takes someone to undo these things. And Hollyhock is trying to act as that someone to try and help undo all of the bad that's happened, all of this stuff, the holes that have spilled God knows how many good things out between this family. Yeah. She's trying to plug them a little bit. Trying is the word. I was like, I was struck by that at the end of the episode. That again, it falls to a young female to try on behalf of the adults that have gone wrong. Yeah. She has to try to understand. She really has, on both sides, and she does. She finds it, and she like she creates so many, so many like more positive situations than the two of them have ever managed to achieve without her in their lives. Um, so it's a nice moment for that character as well I think the first like they were quite in the last episode they played quite fast and loose with who Hollyhock was because as much as she was there to find her mother she was wary of the relationship with Bojack she was pretty rubbish at making pop tarts that like highlighted her youth this mm. played on that this completely yeah. flipped what she could do with her youth she might not be able to cook a pop tart but she could potentially end decades and decades of abuse and suffering and familial discontent. And I just thought that was a, a nice moment for that character who already has been like such an earthquake in Bojack's life. And obviously for us as viewers in season four as well, she feels bigger than a film role or mm. his next book or his television project or whatever. And so she should, you know, and I just, I really like that. And I think it's fascinating that they include a character. Well, I guess, I guess I'll say this, but then uh, if you're watching the episodes of Horse of the Round, maybe not. I guess it's very deliberate, though, that they include and have forced us into a world where Bojack has been presented, aside from his mother, of course, mm. uh, although many scientists might, and the shrinks might tell you otherwise, <laughs> they presented us with a woman who Bojack can't sleep with, uh, and that isn't a factor. It, it, mm, it cannot yeah. be a factor in this because it's his daughter. 
And again, maybe horsing around tells us different. Who knows? No, um, yeah. But they've brought her in, and it's like we are exploring this new avenue. We haven't explored it yet. What does Bojack do when a female character wants to stick around and form a bond with him and form a relationship with him, but it isn't his mom, and it isn't someone, as Princess Carolyn would want to point out, a mommy who he can slip his dick in and out of, Michael, I believe, oh. is the phrase she used. Always love that line being recalled. Shall we get to Princess Carolyn? Yes, let's, let's go. Get some more, let's Carolyn. get some more of that. Shall maybe, we? maybe not that way, but let's get not Princess that way. Carolyn. <laughs> let's get Princess Carolyn. Um, obviously, we kind of alluded to the start of the episode that there could be a problem with Ms. Taken, which everybody kind of had a hand in. That movie needn't do well. Um, and Princess Carolyn is with Lenny, uh, Courtney Portnoy, and her assistant in a meeting. Um, they're all only asked about the film, not the shooting, obviously. Um, but they all verbally note publicly their uh, insincere thought and prayers, thought and prayers, which is, of course, where the episode gets its title. Um, and they set up some Google alerts, some mass shootings, just in case. Because <laughs> it's, it's a work task, isn't it? So you get it in your diary. Um, the camera then pulls out to reveal Judah and Todd also sitting in at the meeting, which uh, Lenny Tilt-Top, as you can imagine, has absolutely no time for Todd. Um, Todd is talking about holding the meeting at a water park. Um, because in his mind, after the shooting, it's made him realise that life is so short. Um, a water park just sounds to me like the type of place where Todd could go and have a nice long walk. But uh, there you go. Um, we <laughs> cut to the uh, the mall shooting um, bit of the film. Uh, the, sorry, the conversation about the mall shooting bit of the film. Um, but they, they think it's going to be all right, Nicholas. It doesn't matter all these people have died in a mall, because in the film, there's still a movie theatre shooting, and there's still a country fair shooting. Or there was... And then they get until they get Google alerts that we're led to believe rule them both out. Oh. These little vibrations that come on all their phones, followed by uh, which is just a, a work inconvenience to these people. Um, they uh, Princess Carolyn at this point gets a call from Bojack, so the meeting is obviously slightly disrupted, but then returns to, to, to Todd giving a presentation, <laughs> something he thinks might have solved uh, obviously now a pretty massive plot hole without this without these stupids going on. He mentions about how if all the other kids have their pumped-up kicks, they may be able to run. Like, you know, like better run. Well, like outrun their bullets. Mm. Um, I think it was very godlike of Todd to try and foster the people like that myself. It was, yeah. Um, very, very good. Very yeah, smooth. Very, very godlike. I'll it. just cross that off my list. Princess Carolyn is hot shit as usual and somehow figures out a way to reframe Ms. Taken a film which all we know has at least three public shootings in <laughs> mass, as a, mass public shootings as a, <laughs> as a feminist empowerment tale um, more on that a little bit later and because... isn't that just a Hollywood version of a oh, yeah. mass empowerment tale man oh god she, uh, she doubles down She's killing all the men though she doubles down by getting Diane to write a piece about it, um, calls her up, just fills her head full of her brilliant tongue-twisting Hollywood gobbledygook um, to get a yes without Diane even really giving her that yes. Do not look at me as if I've got that written down because I haven't. I hope you like do. It. Yes, would please. You like You're brilliant yeah. at these. I was hoping you would. Please do. Seen as, seen as our, yeah, this is quite a long one, this as well. Here we go. <clears throat> I'm definitely going to mess this up because well. <laughs> this is a big one. <clears throat> You know Courtney Portnoy, you probably recall when she soared as the thorny horticulturist in one sordid fortnight with the short-skirted sorceress. How would you enjoy joining Portnoy 
for a scorched soy porterhouse pork four courser at Koi. Glorify your sauce, but don't make me feel it forced. Of course, try the Bosch smooches. Very good. Look, if you rang me with that call, I'd write your article as well. You'd do it. I might try that for a walk culture article at some point. <laughs> you know, who knows? <laughs> we, uh, yeah, so we're dealing now with Princess Carolyn on damage control, I guess, for the, the state of mistaken. Um, and again, later on, we revisit them in the episode. There's Princess Carolyn and Lenny are mourning yet another mass shooting. Um, and this time, uh, a woman has been involved. So Princess Carolyn makes it about playing up how the shootings can be spun to keep women safe. Todd, oh. who is on the call in a water park, uh, asks the big question here, which is, do they really want a profit from mass shootings? I think that's a, <laughs> that's a fair one from old Todsky there, dropping in the big ethical questions. Uh, Princess Carolyn and Lenny Turtletop completely double-teaming. They talk around that issue as if it's a minor filmmaking problem with loads of bullshit Hollywood double-talk. Uh, Todd is left scratching his head. And we're going to come back to the outcome of mistaken a little bit later because let's get to Diane and Mr. Peanut Butter. Almost mm. look, Mr. Peanut Butter. There is more to come that brings Diane and Princess Carolyn together. So we'll see how that turns out for uh, Princess Carolyn and Lenny Turtletop. Because Diane is, as you've requested very eloquently, taking Courtney Portnoy out for food um, to get the story. They're coming out from having had what I assume is a very tasty porterhouse. Um, but as they're waiting for the valet car, Diane gets hit on by some rotten, sleazy prick. Um, it's all that awful um, over-talking male speak where he's complimenting her. Diane doesn't want anything to do with it. And then it's all of a sudden her fault. She's being gaslit for this guy's mm. general compliment. He immediately gets quite threatening and pushy. And Courtney pulls a gun on him. Uh, it's a great bit of verbal delivery from uh, Alice, Alice and Brie here. Because while Courtney is scaring the shit out of this guy, uh, Diane herself is scared by delivering one really long, what? Shit is that? And this lasts the duration of Courtney scaring this guy off. She's terrified by the presence of this gun. Um, and we get after this uh like beautiful sort of like long, like drawn-out fear, like exclamation of fear from Diane. The gun is somehow in her hand. She doesn't know how it's got there, she's pretending not to like it. But, oh, my God, Nicholas, she loves it. Courtney spots that and asks her if she wants to go to a shooting range. Diane asks, you've got a shooting range? To which Courtney replies, why, yes, I've got all the things. We cut to the shooting range. And what you're given is just the slow-mo of Diane firing the gun, the bullet leaving the chamber. Beautiful again, high-res slow motion, all set to some classical score. And Diane getting the ungodly thrill of that bullet connecting with the target at the end of the shooting range. Um, it's, I don't know. There, there will be others. I feel like I've missed a, an obvious comparison. But the one it went to for me was Pulp Fiction. Um, you see the smoke leaving the chamber and the bullet and all that sort of yeah. stuff. Um, it's. I don't think I'm speaking out of class here. It's, it's almost orgasmic for Diane. Um, and let's say we'll revisit that a little bit later too. Because Diane and Mr. Peanut Butter are talking about guns over breakfast. Because it turns out Diane is still holding the gun. <laughs> she's walked all the way home with it in her hand. It turns out she's accidentally robbed a gas station with it. And Mr. Peanut Butter just casually says, okay, be safe. And then walks out with shot. Um, 
we get a montage of Diane writing an article about how men will never, ever understand how oppressed and under threat women are at all times from the male gaze, from male comments, from male touching. Uh, we see loads of examples of women in various states in walking the streets, in their workplace, all things like that. Um, it's really unpleasant and unfortunately we know it to be true. Um, and she says now she owns a gun, it's not going to happen anymore. Um, it's interspersed with her writing this article about being a gun owner and that article moving up the click league tables at Girl Crush. A battle, of course, she was losing really last week until she threw Mr. Peanut Butter under the bus um, about fracking. Uh, she's won the day here with her gun ownership uh, angle, her gun ownership article, I guess. Um, and there's more to this. So this feels like a good stopping point. Guns, women under threat, Diane. <laughs> What do you make of all this? There's a lot, isn't there? You're not wrong. Guns don't kill people. I don't have the joke, but there you go. There's the start of it. He does. <laughs> yeah, why not? That'll do. Something along those lines. This is fascinating because you know how much this... Anytime you bring guns into the, into the discussion, you know we are, haven't really had any opinions from Diane before any of this. And I could have told you categorically that Diane would be strongly, strongly against guns based on the character they have developed throughout the show. And for them to just, to very carefully broach this subject, which obviously is a controversial one, and also then show the allure of it and the attraction of it and the, to help, if essentially, essentially help tell both sides of a story when we are so frequently given the side where it's, Guns are really bad. People should mm. not do this. We're also given the other side, which I think is quite a rarity, actually. Like, a lot of times TV mm. shows will try and make a commentary, and I don't necessarily know if they'll go down this route. And I think it's quite brave that they do. But, my God, they what they do is they show you, and they also sh they show you the pitfalls and show you how it happens, because the animation they use, as you mentioned, when Diane is firing her first <laughs> from a chamber... It's all slow-mo, it's all close-ups. The actually the animation is deliberately, um, and illustration is deliberately high quality in terms of, not that the show doesn't already have high quality mm. illustrations and animations, but they deliberately spend time to all, almost put it in, in a sort of photorealism kind of bracket. They yes. have spent a lot yeah. of time detailing this gun. It looks spectacular. The chamber going in, the bullets going at the chamber, then the, the, the coil going into the gun or the revolver. And then being shot off, that, everything they've applied, yeah, cinematic mm. techniques, all of the shot choices are absolutely stunning. And we feel it. You feel it. You feel the energy that Diane's feeling from this gun. You understand. This is an advert for guns, essentially, that we've just watched. And I'm yeah. in. They've sold me. <laughs> yeah. like, they've totally sold me with this. Obviously, there's it's more to do with that. I'm not going to get into it more as the episode goes on. I just thought that was such a clever way to do it. They've shown you how easy it is to happen. This is our purest character, our character who is the most forward-thinking and most socially conscious character we have in the show. And she's just been hook, line, and sinkered in with this gun. It's like, I, th I don't think you use this word, but I will. That animation that you've just described there um, and the noise that Diane makes, there is actually absolutely a sexual nature to this. Sexual connotation. She's, she's been seduced by a gun here, the, the, the power that gun gets. And what's so great as well is that they could glorify that for the purposes of, of a joke and then through the article you are again reminded of just the plight of women and yeah. they play it perfectly. They measure Diane's response. They let you laugh at Diane 
for being drawn in by the gun. And then they they help you understand why that might have happened so quickly, why yeah. she might have felt so empowered by that. I was pissing myself at that response when Courtney pulled the gun out. Quick anecdote for the podcast yes. listeners, I think I've told you before. Um, on a trip to New York once, my wife and I had been out and were eating quite late at a, quite a cheap fast food restaurant, just like a quick snack before heading back to the hotel. And a man walked in and went up to the counter and he raised his arms up, I guess to gesticulate about what he was going to eat. Uh, and his top rode up and there was a small gun tucked into the back of his of his trousers or his shorts or whatever it was. And obviously, in general, as we'll both say from the UK, even when you go to an American airport, it's a bit like, mm. wow, here's a lot of guns, but they're in yeah. the arms of security police. You're kind of, you're led to believe that they will be the ones to protect you. This one in the wild, for the want of a better phrase, that I could see, but my wife couldn't, like, froze my gaze. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quinn's is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Oh, I couldn't believe what I'd just seen. The slow motion thing is real because mm. the, top, the top that had rolled up and revealed it then dropped back down. And I felt like I watched that happen in like... 10 frames a second or something. Yeah. I just watched that top go back down. That top's going to cover up that gun that I know is there. And I said to my wife, please eat up. We need to leave. I didn't even want to tell her until we were gone why we had to go, but we had to go. Diane's, that took me back. Like that, like her shock completely transported me to that moment because I wanted to, like in a very shrill voice, squeal, what the sh- is <laughs> food spilled from the side of my mouth um so yeah diane has got that kind of almost british i guess reaction to seeing a gun in the wild and there's and then has been swerved on it this article of hers though changes the conversation and let's get to the conversation shall we because it is one of my favorite bits of the episode the conversation which of course has been had not by police or the great political thinkers, or great socio-economical commentators, but on Good Morning Hollywood by a Ryan Seacrest type and a Billy Bush type. There isn't even a female colleague to go along with a Ryan Seacrest type anymore. Um, they report this as if guns were the latest fashion icon. So, so we've got uh, a Billy Bush type and a Ryan Seacrest type uh, discussing the conversation that has been raised about women and guns that started with Diane's article that has very quickly through um, 
you know, what we're given through various cutaways as being a, a growth movement, I guess. A Billy Bush type says, I wouldn't want to be around one of those ladies at a certain time of the month, if you know what I mean. They both laugh uproariously, at which point a Ryan Seacrest type says, I don't. A Billy Bush type says, joking aside, I think it's great those gals have a hobby. And then uh -huh. Ryan Seacrest type prods his earpiece and says, oh, and I'm being told by our producer that we have a breaking news alert. There has been another mass shooting. Billy Bush type goes, oh, as if this is just a trivial part of his day. <laughs> Ryan Seacrest type says, I am totally unqualified to cover a news story that's important. But as a straight white male, I will plow forward with confidence and assume I'm doing fine. I mean, goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> they hit so much in this conversation, but we don't even have time to sit still on it. Um, because this has changed everything yet again. Um, Diane and Peanut Butter are back at the breakfast bar talking guns. <laughs> at which point, and I'd love that you didn't mention this yesterday, Mr. Peanut Butter just casually says, because now I hate them, right? Diane <laughs> uh, notes um, that it's the only time, and I thought this was quite powerful, the only time she's felt as safe as a man walking the streets having this gun. Uh, and now, because he's fracking under their house, this is sort of an even Stevens situation. Peanut Butter agrees, uh, and it's quite a sweet reconciliation between the two after all the arguing and aggro we had last week. It's nice that they found a way to be able to use Peanut Butter's political campaign to solve the problems between them. Nicholas, you were shaking your head. And that is because it does a hard cut to them having a blazing row either side of a Tom Gumbo Jumbo debate. You can't even pick up the points they're trying to make because they are shouting and screaming over each other. Tom Gumbo Jumbo's panicked face looking like a tennis umpire trying to pick up one thing from another and failing profoundly at his job to keep any of this in check. Um, from that we go, though, to them having loud, passionate sex in a cupboard at the TV studio. I'm assuming it's at the TV studio because it appears as though another, like, a TV runner has just been shocked into stopping still at the sounds of Diane, this time using gun analogies instead of fracking ones being screamed out. Because clearly, issues and having deep-rooted disagreements with those issues is what's powering their sex lives. I feel like I'm saying this the second time this episode, Nicholas, but all of this is fine, right? All of this is fine, Michael. Just fill my chamber up with your powerful bullets and we'll be flying. <laughs> this debate, man. This, this debate. Oh, it's, it's outstanding. The cut, like the cut from the, the reconciliation. To again, I, I, I view it not through, and this is great because this is news media. You are not viewing it through the two people who have been brought on to speak. You are viewing it through a broadcaster that has completely lost control of it. We should point out here as well, fascinatingly, as we were about to, you're more certainly about to dive into more. Diane Nguyen finds herself drawn into the media once again for mm. being a woman and having an opinion about literally anything. Like, <laughs> as you recall, way back when in season two, Diane obviously getting dragged in with the Hank Hippopolis controversies and all of that. Now she's back in the media again, having just finally got over this hump that we had <laughs> pretty much, ironically, with some humping, it seems. <laughs> and she finds herself back in the spotlight, and I can't tell you how much I started to worry automatically just because of how... Difficult of a time Diane had had previously. And here we are. She's in the media. Not just in the media, though, Michael. In the media with her husband. <laughs> yeah, and then she's in the media rooms with her husband. Um, we're going <laughs> to 
go back a little bit now to Princess Carolyn and Lenny Turtletop, who were lamenting the shooting that obviously we've all just heard about, the world has just heard about. Thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. Um, <laughs> but now the film is really buggered because the shooting was by a woman. Um, a series of vox pops used in a terrific montage here um, of men, all men, and a California senator who were sharing their disgust that women are making them feel unsafe. This, tri- this triggers, do you like that? A gun control debate. Hey, very good. Um, that goes right the way through California governance, um, including a few little cutaways we get to the various hearings that are going on, including one about triggers uh, being built for male hands. Uh, men should men not be allowed to compliment random women on the street. Uh, <laughs> Diana self is put in the, I don't know what it would be, the witness box or the witness stand or whatever, to, to speak on the matter. Um, and she basically just pleads that the men just stop harassing him. This doesn't have to be about guns. This can just be about all the men, and they're all men in the room, actually working together to make society equal. She says, quite flippantly, just do that. Otherwise, <laughs> you'll have to ban all guns. And just before this big reveal... I'd like to point out and just hammer that point home that these are, aren't just old men. There's a stunning amount of old white men in this <laughs> That's it, Dave. They've suddenly like, had their ears perked up by Diane's surely too simplistic solution cut to all guns being banned in California. Diane with Princess Caroline in the room as this motion is passed theoretically amazing but is moved to ask the question or just express i guess her disdain i can't believe this country hates women more than it loves guns uh to which princess carolyn replies no question mark (laughs) heartbreaking scenes like what a what a moment for diane to have moved that law forward years and years and years um this, of course, brings to a complete end mistaken once and for all. I love how they were still clinging on to a film, even with four mass shootings in the space of what we believe to be about, what, three weeks, maybe, if we're using Bojack's time jumps. Um, and this is the kicker. This is the kicker. Uh, Princess Carolyn and Lenny mourn the complete loss of mistaken. It's done. It's finished. There's nothing they can do to get it over the line. Um, with loads more sincerity than the countless <laughs> actual lives that were lost in these shootings. For like six seconds. At this point, Lenny just says, nah, I'll be fine. Nicholas, <laughs> you check the time code, mate, because fucking nout matters to these people. <laughs> They're all monsters, Michael. Every single one of them is a monster in this show. Like, especially, the, this is a brilliant highlight of just the high-level flaws that exist in... In most of politics in general, I don't just want to stake to, you know, I wouldn't just want to hang America out to, to dry. <laughs> yeah. But in this particular episode, very specifically America, America's gun laws, and all of the people who are the ones who are in, responsible for making these executive decisions and just how flawed that system is. This is exceptional. This is absolutely exceptional. Turning a, a moment of Diane's, the way they tie the two narratives together, Diane's sort of brushing alongside with Courtney Portnoy, turning into a huge situation. Once again, Diane gets involved. Last last time it was Bojack's book to her, albeit, yes, she did write the book. Hmm. This time she's only really talking to Courtney to do a, a piece 
to try and so smooth the mistaken <laughs> problems over and ends up getting embroiled in this moment where she accidentally <laughs> gets gun law passed where guns are banned as opposed to women being allowed to have guns too and men just being less creepy. <laughs> <laughs> sensational. Absolutely sensational stuff, this. Horrendous. Top to bottom. And a great, a great accompanying narrative to go on, of course, with the stuff we've seen with Bojack. Again, mm. We're exploring the two genders as well and the, the way that they deal with the things in this world. A brilliant episode. Go on, you can say the catchphrase this week. What kind of episode is this, Michael? <laughs> this was a powerhouse. That's what this was. This was a total powerhouse. An absolute total powerhouse. Or a turtle powerhouse, depending <laughs> on where you are from in the world. I don't know. Anyway, speaking of funny stuff, I think it could be around about time now that you're all done, I assume, yes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're good. That's as good. Well, we're not good. We're damaged, but we're good. Well, we're damaged. Damaged yeah. goods, perhaps you could say. <laughs> we could all go back and do with some horsing around them, where we go back through the episode and look for all of the hidden meanings behind certain things, these small details that you might have missed, the Easter eggs, and just all the funny jokes that made me laugh, to be honest, in the middle of these intensely, intensely serious topics. Um, <laughs> so let's go back, shall we? Uh, to the beginning of Thoughts and Prayers, and we start off, Michael... There's some really good ones this week, I have to say. And I don't mean to set the bar too high, but there's some mm. really good ones. We start off in the office corridor. It's literally the very beginning. We're heading towards Turtle Taub's office. There's an intern running around when they first learn the news about all of the gun shootings that are mm. happening. Um, and there's a an intern, a goat, who's carrying a bunch of papers, stacked high pile of papers. And he's just, he's just chewing on the top of the paper, mate, because he's a goat. He just can't help himself. <laughs> just stuffing his face full of paper as this mass panic ensues. Then we go to Laney Turtletop's office. And it, if only, Michael, had been something that would have given us a clue as to why gun crime was just so high. I just I don't know why all of this violence <laughs> keeps happening. Maybe we should look at some of the posters in Lenny's office, should we? Because as he's discussing why he can't understand these continued mass shootings, we see posters for Glocker Spaniel, <laughs> we see a poster for American Nine Shooter, a nod to the American Shooter film. We also see a one for Bulletproof Principal, and uh, it's just a dog in a bulletproof vest. <laughs> <laughs> it's all pretty intense. Not only that, though, there's also a few choice DVDs on a chest of drawers that belongs to Lenny. Uh, three great sound of films here. Yeah, I can't understand why people are feeling that gun crime is being uh, romanticized. Cool Kid with a Gun is the top one. <laughs> we then get the shooting man and we then also get the rabbit all up. Baby Assassins 2. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get them while they're young. We also see the clip from Ms. Taken, uh, which features, Michael, on the topic of dogs and guns, which features an all familiar face. There's a dog actor who's in the scene alongside Courtney Portnoy in Miss Taken, who you may recall uh, was the same dog actor from season two, episode 10, where Bojack is uh, in Secretariat. There's a random scene when the whole film goes to pot and it's Bojack basically teaching kids that drugs are bad and stay in school and all that. And it's a dog yeah. who had the tattoo on his chest that says, beware of me. Well, he turns up apparently <laughs> a frequent actor in Hollywood. He turns up once again in this clip from Miss Taken. We then go past the opening credits, nothing in there to talk about this week, but we go to Bojack driving his car around LA uh, and he passes a road, uh, real quick, passes a road sign that says, slow children, as you can imagine, the yellow sign, slow children. And in the middle of that sign is a slug who's just moving a ball along the floor. (laughs) (laughs) 
because you never know, Michael. You never know when you'll pass them. We go to Bojack's house, a few little interesting bits in here. Uh, he and uh, Hollyhock are sharing some pancakes, and on the top is a little carton in the same shape as you would find Mrs. Butterworth's, Michael, but instead it's Mrs. Beaverworth's, um, which I don't know how the, the taste would change, but it, I, don't know, <laughs> I don't know if I want to know, to be honest. Um, also, you'll notice in the corner that the microwave is still burnt out from where Hollyhock uh, burned that um, she was trying to do what was it, pop tart or something in the microwave? microwave isn't it? Yeah. yeah, she wanted to do it popcorn style, I believe she said <laughs> in the episode. We go back to the conference room for Ms. Taken. Some brilliant stuff here. Todd randomly just wearing a hat that's made out of newspaper, Michael. Just not really explain any further, but I'll let you read into that however you might. So he's no longer wearing the hat that has become like a fashion icon in Hollywood. Ah, respectfully incorrect, though, because he removes the newspaper hat to reveal, of course, <laughs> the underneath at the same time. But then, brilliantly, there's a class bit of comedy here where, as Turtletown questions who this man is and what he's doing in his office, Todd has, like, moved his chair back and he goes to try and sit back down on it and, like, has to regain his balance. It's not there. Uh, and as you mentioned, if people have the right pumped-up kicks, maybe they can outrun the bullets, is what Todd is trying to explain to everybody in this office and this conference room, which is, of course, a nod to the Foster the People song, Pumped Up Kicks, for anybody who hadn't got Michael Hamlet's hammering home of the prior <laughs> in this episode. Um, oh, brilliantly, he has another idea, which you'll see on the ideas board, which is bulletproof sunscreen, Michael, which I think could work, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially if it's a factor 15 million, which he suggested <laughs> <laughs> on the board. Uh, and I just, it immediately made me think of Baz Lehman's Wear Sunscreen and how maybe maybe he was onto something there with that song. Uh, I sh- everybody's free to wear sunscreen, I should point out, mm. which I have to just give a nod to Mary Schmidt, who wrote the original essay, which the song is based on. I always wow, have to mention nice. Mary. Nobody ever mentions Mary when it comes to that song. Anyway, we have to, we go off to Girl Crush next, and a couple of things here as an exterior shot. We finally see it. It's it's a weirdly built building, and it has an entrance, Michael, a flying entrance for bird people. So that's how they enter. There's a weird little. It's like a bird box almost that they go into. It's brilliant. <laughs> it also next door to Girl Crush, we can see a shop that is called Bike Ram Yoga, which initially might sound a bit weird. Bike Ram Yoga, but actually, for anybody who knows. Bikram yoga is a system of hot yoga, which is a type of yoga exercise that was uh, popularized in the 1970s. And check this out, Michael. I'm sure you'd enjoy this. Classes consist of a fixed sequence of 26 postures practiced in a room heated to 105 degrees Fahrenheit with a humidity of 40% to replicate the climate of India. I'm sure you can't (laughs) wait to go and do that. I know I can't. (laughs) We also get Diane, who has got... It was famous in this show for her ringtones. Well, she's got a new one, and this time there's a few notable voices. Robert Siegel, I believe it is, uh, from All Things Considered, the NPR show, which people may be or may not be familiar with. He was, of course, the host of that show. Um, and again, Diane just giving us those little treats mm-hmm. out of her telephone ringtone and constantly wanting the world to know that she listens to things like NPR, which I think is a very specific choice. We've yeah. both read on this in the past, and I think... It's, it's never more prevalent yeah, because I never listen to any of these things and she does sound very smart and clever, I guess, <laughs> of things. Well done, Diane. We go across this time to Walnut Springs, where Bojack has put his mother. 
of course, the uh, nursing home. There's a sign outside of uh, Walnut Springs, which reads, Walnut Springs, a sundowner community. And then there's a little bit for a message at the bottom, which says, beware autumn, full stop, the fall season. (laughs) (laughs) Very nice. Very clever, very cute. Anybody inside Walnut Springs who falls might not be there, Michael, for much longer. (laughs) They're not too careful. Uh, We go across to Courtney Portnoy's gun range, and there's a brilliant little bit here. Of course, Diane's firing off the gun, getting all those thrills. But in the background, there's a collection of guns which are labelled Portnoy's Toys. Uh, (laughs) Just like pistols, an AK-47, an M4, a bazooka, I think you can see at the very bottom. Imagine that. And I just have to give another nod as well. That beautiful animation for the gun shooting scene really is well done. They sold me on it, put it that way, as I've mentioned already. We go back to Walnut Springs once again. Uh, Bojack is talking to the, um, the the doctor, the psychiatrist inside, who, who, as you mentioned, mentions that he's he tried. We tried to call you Bojack, but the number you gave us connected to a sandwich shop in Temecula, which of course <laughs> been used already. It was used in the was it last episode with Mars? Yes. Uh, yeah. Is the leader of his fan club? Uh, it seems this is becoming a bit of a stable of Bojack. We'll have to keep an eye out for that one. We go across to Mr. Peanut Butter's house, the house, Michael, not the show. Don't get confused. Um, and as you know, the fracking is happening at Mr. Peanut Butter's house. <laughs> not just the stuff that he and Diana are doing either. Mm-hmm. Actual fracking is happening outside. There's an establishing shot that we see a hipster, llama or an alapaca, I think it is, that's going past on a skateboard that is dressed as Todd. It's got the red hoodie on and the yellow hat. It seems the fashion icon is spreading throughout Los Angeles throughout each episode as well. There's also a bunch of signs when we get inside of Peanut Butter's house. There's one sign that says, Peanut Butter for Governor. And then the that's the, the red part of the banner and then the blue part of the banner reads, is Governor spelled with an E or an O? <laughs> <laughs> See, a sign uh, look is not getting much better throughout this show. There's another sign that also says, Peanut Butter is Peanut Butter. <laughs> <laughs> which I guess that is his platform isn't it that is his platform you you can't read into this if you want there's also another saying that says do not use the sink which of course is in reference to the fact that the taps are blowing out fire at this point Diane got burnt last week because of all the fracking and of course Michael it wouldn't be inside Mr Peanut Butter's house if we didn't go to the fridge magnets on the fridge once again there's some new a new little twist on them here so we have in no particular order I guess or maybe it is who knows we have Boob, <laughs> debate, we have frijol, which is now upside down compared to where it usually is. One, a, a, a row of them that says food time in the forum. We then also get dulce and we get fridge as well. For anybody who likes to keep tabs on those fridge magnets, there you go. There's also a thermos flask on top of the kitchen counter, but it's a thermos flask, nice. Michael as is labelled across it. And this doesn't really have any pun that we attached to it. I just thought it was notable that Mr. Put- Peanut Butter drinks his coffee, or Diane, one of the two, drinks the coffee out of a Chemex coffee maker. I don't know if you know what one of them are. It's like a flask, a glass flask that people um, filter their coffee through. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Very hipster, hmm. very, very much important. Might tie into the fact that Diane has that ringtone as well. That's just the vibe yeah, of yeah. getting mm-hmm. Michael, getting that vibe. Anyway, off to Girl Crush. And inside Girl Crush, you will recall the clickboard, which is where all of the headlines go for the articles. We see a bunch of them on the list here. Swipe left on Patriarchy. We also see Couchsurfer Couture for her. Uh, obviously a reference to Todd, who seems to be getting more notorious as the, so- the show goes on. There's also an article, Michael, a new one that's dropped in at number three on the list. 
Liam Hemsworth's penis outline, <laughs> <laughs> which you may recall is the presumably successive article to Chris Hemsworth's penis outline. <laughs> which can be found further down on this list. It seems Liam is hotter than Chris at the moment. But in between the two, you'll see the article, Hot, Hot Air Balloons, Michael. Because <laughs> I mean, who was, who's never looked at a hot air balloon and thought, that's one sexy hot air balloon, right? <laughs> We're in the content game. I'd click it, you know. You'd, you'd click it. Would you click it? Of course you'd oh, click it. I'll have to give it a look. <laughs> we also get Diane's article which has taken off in a huge way a huge huge way it's called the handgun of one's own and there's a brilliant scene where diane is in the center and you see all the comments that start circling around her mm. head in response to the article i'm just going to read some of them out for you here and uh, there's a bit that just says it says diane you in why i carry a gun she's provided the link presumably on like a twitter equivalent um there's uh, a person who's commented called Extina Sven who says, this is straight fire. Then there's Jeb Alma who's posted the 100 emoji, the feminine emoji, and a, and a flexing emoji. Mm-hmm. There's like a bunch of different likes across. Then there's a, a, a quote tweet from Chelsea Parotti, which is obviously a nod to Chelsea Parotti, the actress yeah. who is in uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine and comedian, mm-hmm. um, who says, slay, preach girl. And it's a- <laughs> linked to Diane's article as well. And there's also a shot from Stefani Stilton who shared the link that just says, Yas and mm-hmm. <laughs> Yas new in, which is of course <laughs> exactly the kind of um verbiage you see in modern days, uh Twitter and social media, don't you? There's a bunch of people at the bottom here as well commenting one called Suzanne Sharp Cheddar, who yes is a mouse, who says, Can I live this can I like this a hundred times? And then you get Kareen Denada who seems just at the bottom there says, can't say the reason really shocked me for this. Uh, and then it kind of cuts off. You don't really get to see. But all of this happens as Diane is saying, to put the power in my own hands, which I thought was quite telling as she types on the keyboard as well. Bit of a double out there. We go back to Walnut Springs, though, and it's Bojack again. And we have the sign outside, which has changed once more, Michael. And it now reads, uh, trick or treatment, it says at the bottom. <laughs> Telling us that there are there's some time is passing as we go inside the old people's home. Halloween decorations across everywhere that we can see. I think overall it ends up being like a month and a bit because we mm. you'll find out why later on. But um, we also see inside the Walnut Springs there's a cat person who is playing with a ball of wool in the corner, distracted by it, as the wool is attached to a woman who is presumably knitting a bit of clothing. It's sort of <laughs> distracted by the whole thing. We then go back. As you mentioned earlier, we've got Morning Time Hollywood we get a shot of. And I've just written down here, a Billy Bush type. And Michael Hamflet, you are a Billy Bush type. For anybody who wants to see someone who looks like someone, I, I was <laughs> but now I'm going to bring it in. Michael's friends messaged him to say that he looks a bit like a Ryan Seacrest type. I disagreed. And funnily enough, we get it in this episode. A Billy Bush type is the man who I see on the screen in front of me right now. There he is. Not like the real Billy Bush, I should point out. Just like the Billy Bush in this show. He is not the uncle, uh, <laughs> or certainly does not have the uncle who was George W. Bush and is a morning time host in a particular sketchy way that we won't dive into at this particular point, but you get the gist. Feel as though I'm going to be sending a lot of tweets over the next few months that just say the words, I do not look like a Billy Bush type. <laughs> yes, please do send Michael Hamflet, at Michael Hamflet, any of your images of Billy Bush type, who I'm, at least you get from this episode, at least, and show the comparison. It's there, it's there for all. 
to see. Sorry, Michael. <laughs> um, and the article headline, oh, sorry, the title of the headline on Morning Time Hollywood was Girls Just Want to Have Guns, which I thought was quite <laughs> Uh, in Princess Carolyn's office, we are next, and we see a quick shot of her computer screen as she is having a bit of a meltdown because the article that she's reading is Killer Bee Killing Spree at Semi-Final Spelling Bee. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll just read the quick bit of uh, a quick bit of paragraph here. It says, in Reading, PA, other than a crazed gunman taking the lives of 14 children and three adults, the reading-based Pennsylvania State Spelling Bee Semi-Final was a big success. <laughs> Gongozula's can... Oh, my word. Look at this for wording. Gongozula's can cultivated in tightly packed auditorium with few clearly marked exits to witness precocious young logophiles compete. At good time was had by all up until the afternoon turned tragically violent. The whole event was sponsored by Big Rick's Bait and Tackle. And, <laughs> and Big Rick himself was in attendance, smiling and signing autographs. He is now deceased. <laughs> I mean, just incredible, incredible writing across the board there. And something so tragic, they make it so stupid somehow. We go across to Lenny Turtletab's office, though, and uh, he mentions while on the phone to Princess Carolyn, if this all keeps up, we're going to have to put this movie on the shelf. A quite literal shelf, he says, next next to that wacky vacation comedy we did about the clutch, the klutzy babysitter, which is then revealed in a little gag, a visual gag, to be Sandra Bullock's Hurricane Sandy, the film is. <laughs> oh, which is just bad on so many levels that we're, oh. <laughs> we're going to put it back in the drawer where it belongs, out of harm's way. Let's now, blow, let's blow through that one, sure. Let's blow through that one very quickly. Have a word with yourself, Mike. <laughs> Because we're going to blow all the way across to a water park, which bears incredibly good significance here. Because Todd, earlier in the episode, mentions that he has a brilliant idea, as you said. What if we had meetings at water parks? Wouldn't that be great? And this is, of course, a fantastic callback to that. He's in a rubber ring, in a bathing suit, on the phone, in the meeting. That I'm not even sure he's in. The, why is he in the meeting? It doesn't make any sense. But brilliantly, that doesn't matter because the whole, the real good gag that we see is there's an otter that's floating past as he's on the phone, the otter is on its back floating by on their phone and the phone itself is inside a sandwich bag to protect it from getting wet while the yes. otter is floating through the water park alongside with Todd. There is also, for anybody who pays attention, a mad-looking water slide in the background where the kid who comes out of it, it's a, it's a water slide where he gets shot upwards, mm-hmm. comes out of a gap in the thing, so there's like a gap between and the kid has to land on the other side of the... <laughs> tubes with a gap on it just to kind of maybe highlight just how wild and unsafe water parks can be <laughs> it's brilliantly done though um also i guess like a gun from a chamber perhaps i hadn't even made that connection mm. but all relevant i guess at this point we go back to walnut springs and once again michael the sign has changed outside and it now reads time marches on on the sign outside of walnut springs you will recall of course from the old sugarman place episode Joseph Sugarman himself mentioned that time's arrow neither stays still nor reverses, it merely marches forward. Seems like an interesting callback now that we're seeing Beatrice, his daughter, inside an old people's home at this point. Quite interesting to say the least. And also while we're in here, you'll notice that the episode of Horsing Around Season 2 that Bojack brings out, Season 2, Episode 12 is what he delivers, and it's called 
I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. Dementia. <laughs> <laughs> God. Which probably tells you just how well they deal with this whole topic in that episode, truth be told. Mm-hmm. We then go to MSNBC, and it's, of course, uh, the gun control debate that's going on between Princess Princess Peanut Butter? Good Lord, not even close. Not even close. Between <laughs> Diane and Mr. Peanut Butter. And uh, the headline reads, Common Sense, uh, Gun Control, Common Sense or Nonsense? And then there's a ticker, as we always get with the news, that has a bunch of excellent ones on here, which I'm going to present without any context, and you can read them however you see fit. Okay. It says, President stymed by ball and cup game. Then the next one says, White House call for investigation probing ball and cup game manufacturers. <laughs> the next one reads, President blasts fake news for not reporting all the times I won at cup and ball game. <laughs> Before another one reads, White House plans rally celebrating President's glorious achievement in the ball and cup game. <laughs> Couldn't possibly imagine how that would ever relate to real life. This is, of course, a fictional show, and any similarities are purely coincidental. Uh, As I've mentioned, I've written here, Diane popped me stupid with her screaming in the cupboard to Mr. Peanut, but I fill my chamber with your powerful bullets. (laughs) Something I think we've all thought about once or twice. I don't know. (laughs) Quick, maybe if I put these pumped-up kicks on, Michael, I can get away from this reference. (laughs) We go off to Walnut Springs now all of a sudden, and the sign outside has been changed once again. It now reads, give thanks unless you're a turkey. <laughs> Which feels yeah. fit, of course, and yeah, quite funny. Even, but obviously it implies the time is moving quite a lot at this point. Um, there's a bunch of Thanksgiving decorations inside this time. And there's another gag in here that ties into the theme of the episode, Michael. As we pull away from Bojack and, and Hollyhock sitting on the bench, there is a shot of an old woman on another bench, who's sporting a goddamn assault rifle. <laughs> As she sits and ponders everything that's going on, in- incredible commentary across the board, this. We then go over to Vim Management, and this <clears throat> begins to spread throughout the world of Bojack. As we see an establishing shot outside, we see Stuart, Princess Carolyn's uh, PA or assistant, He's panically running away with some papers as he spots two women outside who are literally sporting assault rifles, pistols, and holsters. <laughs> They've both got a bunch of bandoliers across them with like ammo. <laughs> really over the top, this, but excellent in highlighting just how much confidence these two women mm. have and the fear that Stuart has as he runs off the papers <laughs> everywhere. Excellent stuff, this. And then it, we go inside Princess Carolyn's office in Vim and She's currently reading a Girl Crush article, you'll see, and the title says, Owning a gun may increase female fertility. (laughs) (laughs) Really starting to amp this all up now across the world of Bojack. Um, But then we go across, there's a bunch of news coverage before the hearing that we get about the guns. Uh, There's Fox News, but it's never specifically uh, noted as Fox News. There's just a logo of a fox's head and the word news next to it. But we know what you're doing. We know what you're doing. We see what you're doing. There's also another one that's called C-Spaniel, which is a nod to (laughs) C-Span, the news um, network of of broadcasting. Um, As we go from different news news, uh, outlets that are covering Mm. this story. Um, And then brilliantly, as you mentioned, in one of them, there is a gun scientist who is trying to give us the lowdown on <laughs> guns and women in the correlation. It's this monkey scientist who I should point out has, ama- has an amazing uh, banana bolo tie that he's got on. Oh, um, 
just to kind of highlight maybe where this guy's emanating from as well. Not that I'm suggesting that certain areas would have more opinions about guns, but a bolo tie often associated with mm-hmm. a certain part of America. I'll let you make your conclusions about that. However, the monkey's chart tells no lie because it's just <laughs> at the top it says lady hands and there's a diagram of a, of a woman holding a gun and it just has four bullet points. These hands are limp, they are soft, they are flowery, and they are most certainly indecisive, Michael. And as you'll see <laughs> at the bottom of this um, <laughs> bottom of this illustration, there's a graph that indicates, I mean, it, it's beyond all debate, really. As we go up the x-axis, you will see it is labelled chipped nails, Michael, and the, the y-axis is labelled gun ownership. And as you'll see, they are going up exponentially together. <laughs> It's a bit of an up and down, I must admit, but it says, as the chip nails go up, <coughs> so do the gun ownership of women. So, you know, I guess, not that we're trying to make you biased in any way, shape or form, of course. Um, and then we go to the courtroom. Brilliant, brilliant line this. I just love Diane's line. I can't believe this country hates women more than it loves guns. A brilliant bit of commentary that is shown in the episode and then just flat out smashed mm. over our heads by Diane. Yeah, brilliant stuff. One more time, we go back to Walnut Springs, Michael. The sign, once again, has changed. It this time reads, special event, live horsing around episode. Horsing around spelled with a G as well, just to kind of disignore apostrophe at the end and to get rid of the N. And then we also get, brilliantly, it just says, live horsing around episode with Bojack Horsum. (laughs) They just run out of letters and it just says, Horsem. (laughs) <laughs> no A, no N on the end. Poor Bojack doesn't get the recognition once again. Uh, but inside, of course, brilliant little gags here. Bojack's belly hanging out with the jump bat is a one to behold. And then when Beatrice is eventually kicked out of the home, we also mm. see that all of her belongings there. She has a, a painting of her father, Joseph Sugarman, who we mentioned earlier. She's also got a monogram suitcase, B-E-H, it reads. There's another box that says B-E-H, and then there's another box behind that. It doesn't really have a, a label on it, but you can see inside the box, she's got a bunch of mementos, whether she likes them or not. She's got a bunch of Bojack mementos. There's a one-trick pony book in there and a secretariat, uh, either a picture or a poster is in there. You can just right. see it sort of creeping out. Uh, along with a, a set of skis, Michael, which to be honest, I haven't really figured out <laughs> what elements of them are, but they are there, and I thought I'd mention them as well. There's also a hat rack with a bunch of hats on. Mm. Because, of course, there is. Why not? Yeah. Not just a hat rack, it seems. <laughs> um, and finally, finally, we go to Bojack's house. And I wonder, Michael, you mentioned before that uh, we see as Beatrice is setting up shop in there, that she also has a Care Bear. I wonder, has Bojack hired Herb Kazaz's Care Bear from yeah. season one, I believe yeah. it is. Who knows? I guess answers on a postcard at Podcast Horseman. I think it might be. I've got mm. a sneaky suspicion it might be. Certainly sounds the same. But there you go. Those are all of your horsing arounds for this week and uh, this week's episode of Podcast Horseman. But as always, Michael, as we've learned, as always, always, <laughs> well, one last thing, and then I swear to God, we'll shut up about this podcast forever. Would you like to go first or second this week? I'll go first, please. Go on, um, why not? If I may. Um, so, yeah, those who've been listening recently, I've got something a little bit different this week. Um, I think Todd has got... No, I'm not doing that this week. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> he, is, he is God, but we'll leave that alone for now. Um, yeah, something in this one. So, something happened this week that we were led to believe wouldn't happen last week. And I thought it was quite notable. This week, after being challenged by Diane on it, Mr. Peanutbutter stood for something. Mm. He stood 
well, not more specifically, he stood against guns. Um, it was as if he'd been challenged by Diane last week to be better, to be better at being a potential political candidate, to be better as a person, I guess. Uh, and he did it. To be a better dog. And he did it. He stood against guns on television, against his wife. Uh, previously, he tried to avoid having those rows with it. Um, if it meant tanking his political career, if it meant having articles wrote about him, which of course did happen with Diane here, but he did it. He actually stood for something, which I guess I was going to say maybe Diane didn't respect that, but maybe she did because in a manner of speaking, it brought them back together by the end of the episode. Um, and what's interesting is, even though he's not yet walking the corridors of power, he stood for something. And by the end of the episode, the thing he wanted to happen had happened because he is a man in Hollywood. Even as an outsider to the political world, but as somebody that is now on the peripheries through his celebrity, he said, I don't like guns. And by the end of 26 minutes, guns were eradicated because men get their way. They get their way no matter what, Michael. And there's always a byproduct of even if the women get a victory in any way, shape (laughs) or form, their men in the end are the winners because this is Hollywood and that's real life. And God damn it. God damn it. It's the same old story. Time and time again. Well, my one last thing revolves around another man, Michael, but maybe less cynical this one. This one's actually really goddamn good. Um, now, you might think this might be a stretch, but I'm going to go with it. I think it's. I think they've done this on purpose. At the start of this episode, Bojack and Hollyhock are talking with each other about going to see Beatrice. And you're probably thinking, Michael, like at the end of the day, Hollyhock wants to go and see her and Bojack doesn't really want to do it, but Hollyhock convinces him. So they go. Because at the end of the day, what's the worst that could happen? She's going to go and see Beatrice. What's the worst that could happen? Who knows? And then as they get there, they go and see her. We start to see just the lengths of how bad this is. And we meet uh, Beatrice's doctor at the time during all of this. And by the end of the episode, well, I think we can both agree, it's been an absolute disaster. They've gone to see her and eventually (laughs) she's been kicked out of the home where she was, where Bojack didn't have to deal with that. And now she's having... To live with him. She's living in his house. It's probably the worst case scenario that's possibly going to happen. <laughs> Shy of maybe Beatrice dying in front of him and Hollyhock in a horrible, horrendous fashion. Hmm. At the end of this episode, when they're outside and Beatrice has indeed been kicked out of this in the worst possible scenario has, be- has become true, we finally learn the name of this doctor whose name has been hidden by his stethoscope for most of the episode. The doctor's name, Michael, is Dr. Pepin. Because what's the worst that could happen, Michael? What is the worst that could happen is you walk to a goddamn old people's home and have to walk out with the mother you put in there in the first place. That is the worst that could happen, and Dr. Pepin should have been the giveaway (laughs) for all of us. (laughs) Fantastic spot. Brilliant. Love that. Really, really good. A cute gag. And I think we can all agree that by the end of this episode, while Bojack has made some strides forward, He's ended up in a much worse scenario probably <laughs> than he was at the start of this episode. But those are our one last things. Before we head off for the day or night or whatever it is, now I've lost all gauge of time and space at this point. <laughs> um, before we do that, just a quick plug for the podcast, of course. Uh, you can follow this podcast on Twitter or Instagram at Podcast Horseman. Thank you so much to everybody who added us and sent us screenshots uh, of our place on your podcasts for the year that you've been listening yeah. to genuinely was a lovely little jolt to the heart this this week at a time when I think you know they're in short supply I think we can all agree yeah. 
Uh, really nice moment that. And please do keep letting us know if you're enjoying the podcast. Let us know if there's things you think would be better, could be worse. Who knows? Just tweet at us all day long. Your favorite bits from Bojack Horseman, your favorite bits from Podcast Horseman, whatever you want. You can also uh, tweet and get in touch with your host uh, at podcast. No, that's the name of the podcast. At It's Adam Nicholas, you can find me at, or you can find Michael Hamlet. At Michael Hamlet. Um, you can get the podcast on Apple Podcasts where you, we would invite you to subscribe. We can get it on Spotify, as Nicholas has pointed out. Thank you very much for those that have subscribed or followed or whatever it is you on Spotify. Thank you for downloading and listening. Uh, you can get us on Amazon Music. You can get us on Acast where you can subscribe. Pretty much anywhere you get your podcast, you can find Podcast Horsemen, including on that Twitter feed. Every Friday, a new episode will go up there as a tweet and as an embedded Acast link if you want to listen to it. You can do that too. And going all the way back to Apple Podcasts, on that app at least, and I believe on Spotify as well, you can leave us a review. Chuck five stars on there. Um, it gets us up charts. It gets us in podcast recommendations lists, all that sort of stuff. Every podcast you ever listened to has asked for it, has begged for reviews, and we are no different. If you leave us a review with those five stars, you will get your review read out on the show, and you will get a star on a Hollywood talk of fame. Check out that podcast horseman on Instagram to see what those stars look like, and you could be getting one of your own personalised ones soon. Just like... Matty Gray 13 is going to get. Um, and I almost want to put an extra gold rim around this one because this might be my favourite piece of feedback ever. Look, I've already got enough to do. Never mind, <laughs> never mind add new bits to this. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Matty Gray 13, for this. Even if your star ends up looking like everybody else's. I don't want to put more Adam Nicholas's plate. He said, a Bojack Horseman podcast. Hooray! And he starts his feedback as follows. <clears throat> Those other Bojack Horseman podcasts are okay. But compared to this Bojack Horseman podcast, those podcasts are bullshit. <laughs> Very good. Covering the story of Bojack and friends one episode at a time, this podcast br- captures brilliantly the highs, the lows and hilarity of one of the greatest shows in recent memory or ever. Michael Hamlet and Adam Nicholas provide both an in-depth analysis of Bojack Horseman's story and a fantastical foray into the show's wonderful array of jokes and gags. I must listen for any Bojack fans. This podcast should be worth 800 million billion, probably. Plenty of incentive for podcast listeners to hitch their wagons to these hardworking podcasters. (laughs) Bojack Horseman is a good and important TV show. (laughs) Wow. um, You know what it is? That's so good, that review. Genuinely, that's top of the pops that that I'm going to do them this weekend. Oh, (laughs) Uh, I, I obviously re- reserve the right to not do this again <laughs> at all. The stars are coming out unless there's clouds over the Nicholas residence. Very good, very good. Don't hold out for any constellations, folks. I promise you. <laughs> it won't be constellations, but it might be consolation prizes <laughs> for the people who don't get their stars. I'm going to do it. I said this last week, and I'm feeling energised again, and I mean it. I'm going to do it. I'm writing it down right now. I'm going to add, I like this, I'm going to add to my list of questions to ask RBW on the, on the finale, do you think Nicholas will do the stars? I'm right. I'm literally writing it down in my notes now, I hope you can hear us, do the stars you dick it says. <laughs> there you go, done, it's written, it's in my notes now and I can't take it back. Anyway, never mind my words, let's get some words on next week's episode, shall we, just before we disappear, because Michael... Next week's episode is one of my favourites in the whole show. Uh, and I believe you're a fan of it too. Season four, episode six. And I know Bojack really wanted to scream into his mom's face 
about how she was a piece of shit, Michael. <gasps> but it seems that Bojack's next episode is going to hit him hard because it's titled Stupid Piece of Shit. Oh, my God. And the synopsis is as follows. Surrounded by family, Bojack spirals into self-loathing. Princess Carolyn and Ruta Baker Rabinowitz plan Courtney and Todd's sham wedding. I will say this now. I've already pretty much said a lot about that episode there, but this is one of my favourite uh, creative episodes of BoJack Horseman. They go in a direction that is unlike anything I believe you will ever have seen, and I think you should absolutely put a lot of stock in this episode. Am I right, Michael? Yeah, I cannot wait to talk about this slash block out and suppress all my emotions about this. There we go. That's about... In fact, that should be the bottom header for... Uh, the bottom header? That should be the header for this show, I think. I cannot <laughs> wait to watch all of this and then suppress my feelings and emotions about <laughs> this. On that lovely high note, I have been Adam Nicholas. I'm already crying and have been Michael Hamflet. <laughs> Cheers. Mike's crying. And this has been Podcast Horseman. 